0: Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento, and man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it, so get ready to receive from God today. Hey, Project Church, it's so good to be here Um, It's so good to be in Sacktown. I grew up in Reno, so when we needed to go to a mall, which we would come here, and I don't know if it's that great, but for us it was, and we just want to thank you um, for supporting us um, and joining Locking Arms with us. We could not do it without you, and as Pastor Caleb just mentioned, yes, we are crazy enough to answer the call to go to Las Vegas to start a church where we're actually starting starting on day one with both Spanish and English services, and they, that's crazy. Your boy's going to be preaching in Spanish, then in English, and uh, we've never done that before, but we know that God's called us to do that. God placed a dream in a heart to, to, to start a place that can be a bridge where both English and Spanish-speaking people can come together under one name, which is Jesus, um, to serve one vision and mission, which is to love Las Vegas And so we have a picture of my family here. And that is us in Red Rock Canyon in Vegas. It looks beautiful and comfortable. But believe me, like we had to, we had to dry off the sweat in between photos. Um, and my daughters did not want pictures. <laughs> They're at the age right now where they have to approve anything I share on my Instagram story. Or, 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 or they say, Dad, you can't post that. I have to get their approval now. But yes, all four of us. Um, We've answered the call and and we bring the family along on the journey and. If you know you guys understand that you bring just the family along they don't even know what's happening They didn't sign up for this, but yes, they are on the journey with us And so we're grateful for that So if you can continue to pray for us, that would be amazing as we launch this next weekend And we truly believe that God's calling us to be a light in Las Vegas So before I get started, let's just pray together Would you just bow your heads with me and we'll just pray We'll just invite God to continue to speak to us in the move within us Lord Jesus, we just come to you right now. We just want to say we're grateful today, Lord, that we can come together in a place to lift up your name. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and do what only you can do. So we give you access to our hearts. We pray that that soil would be fertile, a fertile ground for your word. So we ask you and invite you and give you permission to challenge us, to, I would say, even offend us, and to speak to us, Lord. Lord, because we know that even though you take us just as we are, you love us too much to leave us the same. So Lord, we just ask you to do a transforming work in us today through your word in the powerful name of Jesus. If you you believe it, say amen amen that's a beautiful amen and you guys are facing something right now like a like a crisis here locally that i actually i'm kind of grateful that we get to share in this together see in vegas you probably don't know this now but you've been in the hundreds and you like hate it right you're like lord jesus please take me to a beach right somewhere southern california Cancun, Mexico, somewhere, but not in this heat. And and, and in Vegas, we have over 90 days of over 100 every year. That is hot, and I remember one particular year, it was 117 degrees for seven days in a row. It was so hot that I branded my hands just touching my steering wheel. It was so hot I burnt myself and left a mark with my seatbelt buckle. The only good thing was is if I ordered cookies, got some crumbled cookies or, or, or some donuts, they would still be hot when I got home, and that was really the only good thing, but, but can I tell you, we're in when we're in the summer season, when we're in those kind of temperatures, you know, we we become so delusional sometimes it impacts our perspective. But that's definitely if you've been in that, which you have been in those degrees, that is the moment in the time that you could tell if someone was to say, Hey, who wants to get out of here? You'd probably say, Yes, sign me up. I am ready to go to cooler temps, I am ready for, for refreshing winds, and and so I would. I can definitely, I'm happy that we can relate, you know? I didn't know coming here that you guys would be facing this. So I understand where you're at. I I, I just wanna encourage you um, that you're not alone and I get it. But if there has ever been a time that I felt like I wanted to get out, it was definitely on that week of seven days of over 117. And I would have gladly screamed off the top of my lungs, help get me out of here. And that is the title of my message today. See, today I'm going to be speaking to those of you who feel stuck in a desert valley season. The Bible uses the word valley as a metaphor for hard times, and the scripture even mentions a valley of the shadow of death and a valley of weeping. See, valleys are not our favorite place or the places that we sign up to go to. Valley is often used as an image of pain and suffering. And I want us to think about this for a moment. Why is it that whenever whenever things don't go our way, that we automatically assume and feel like God's not with us. Like, what is it about us that things have to be going our way? Things have to be within our control for us to feel like we're blessed or anointed or being favored by God. But the moment that things slip out of our control, we feel like God has left us. And I want us to think about this for a moment. Why is that? What does that say about me and what does that say about our humanity when things are out of our control, but see, when things go to plan, I would consider those moments, mountaintop moments. I don't know if you've ever hiked like Mount Shasta or the highest mountain in Tahoe, but when you get up there, it is so beautiful. It is so nice. It is refreshing. You can see for miles... Your vision is not hindered in any way. You could just pitch a tent and just live there and stay there forever. Have you ever been there? But the reality is that most of us spend most of our time not on the mountaintops, but in the valley. And so in today's message, we'll discover that God is not just the God of your good times or your high times or your mountaintop times, but that God is also the God of our bad times. See, the valley represents our personal and spiritually dry seasons in life. You know, like, say you got something going on in your life, and it's personal. It is serious. And so you bring it to God, and you pray. And you pray some more, but nothing seems to happen. And so you involve your project group. or You involve the people in your life that are, that are following Jesus. And you, they join you. You ask them to join you in prayer. And you even bring your mama into it. You even fast like half a day for Jesus. But no matter how much you pray, nothing seems to change. And your prayers just seem to just go up, hit the ceiling, and come back down. The valley represents frustration. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but you drive a lot more unsaved when it's hot. When you're driving through Sacramento and people don't use their blinkers and it's hot and you're trying to go home and the AC's all the way high but it ain't really working like it should and you're kind of dripping sweat and this person just comes uh, in front of you, you've never felt so quickly like murdering somebody. So none of us enjoy the valley, it's super uncomfortable. The valley also represents a season of waiting. Second to mosquitoes, which I don't understand their purpose, God, I'll ask them that when I get a chance. I hate waiting. And if you don't believe me about how impatient I am, um, you can just ask my wife and my two daughters how patient their dad, Pastor Joe, really is. I hate waiting. So valleys represent a season of waiting. And maybe you're in the room right now or maybe you're even watching online as we speak. But as I articulate what a valley is, you're looking at your own life and realizing, wait a minute. I'm in a valley season right now. Maybe you're stuck in a valley relationship. You know the kind of relationship you should have broke off like a long time ago and your friends told you and your small group leaders told you that they were bad for you and because they were toxic and they were sucking the life out of you, but for whatever reason, you just can't seem to break away and it is killing you. Maybe you're at a valley job and your workplace is terrible and you don't like your boss. You dread waking up every single morning just to make some other person the man some. Money and and you're just, but you hate conflicts. So you're like, maybe they'll just lay me off. Maybe you're in a valley in your relationship, in your marriage. Maybe you've ended up at a place that you never thought you would be saying things and speaking things into your spouse that you never imagined yourself saying, but you can't seem to find a way forward. Maybe you have a business idea, but you don't know where to start. Maybe you're struggled your way through school, post 2020, and here's another year, and you don't really know how you're going to make it emotionally, or spiritually, or financially. Or maybe you've even just lost your passion, And nothing that you do brings you any fulfillment. Whatever you may be facing right now, my prayer is that Jesus would use this time that we have together in his word to strengthen us and to fill our spirits and to lift us by his word. So today we're going to be reading out of First Kings, it's on the left side of your Bible. We're gonna start at chapter 20, verse 23. And before I, I dive into that, I'm going to just give us a little backdrop of what's going on here. And so there's an instance where King Ahab was opposed by the Syrian army. Now, King Ahab was the Israeli king of God's people, the children of Israel. And the Syrian army came against them along with 32 other armies their allies to come fight against them but what ends up happening is god miraculously gives israel victory over them and over all 32 allies But what happens in the next year, the Syrian army gets together with all their allies and they begin to debrief of why exactly they lost the battle. So they begin to look at the battle from that perspective and they start realizing and and planning and scheming and trying to figure out why they couldn't win last time. And so they're trying to come up with a plan to, to have victory and to wipe out Israel. So in verse 23, it says, and the servants of the king of Syria said to him, their gods are the gods of the hills. So they were we are stronger than we, but let us fight against them in the plain and surely we shall be stronger than they. And do this, remove the kings each from his post and put commanders in their place and muster an army like the army that you have lost horse for horse, chariot for chariot, then we will fight against them in the plain and surely we will be stronger than they and he listened to their voice and did so in the spring, ben mustered the Syrians and went up to Afik to fight against Israel. So here was the logic of the Syrian army and their and their allies. They were thinking, wait a minute, last time we were in battle, we were at a high place. We were at an elevated place. We were at a place where their vision wasn't hindered. We were at a place where they were comfortable. We were at a place where things were going their way. And the reason that we lost that battle is because the God of Israel he's the God of the high places he's the God of the mountaintops but if we bring this battle to the valley we got them because their God is not the God of the valley so God hears this of course because he's all-knowing and 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 he he's up to the challenge he's up to the task and so here's what happens next verse 27 and the children of Israel were mustered and given provisions and they went against them Now the children of Israel encamped before them like two little flocks of goats while the Syrians filled the countryside. In comparison to this massive army that filled the countryside, the Israeli army appeared like two small flocks of goats now, goats were, are not known to gather in large numbers like sheep are, which is why the comparison was made. So, if you can look at it from a logical standpoint, you can see this whole imagine this whole countryside of the of this army that's going to take you out, and all you have is what appears to be two small flocks of goats. So, let's jump to verse 28. And a man of God, the prophet did as, he previous, as the previous time, came near and said to the king of Israel, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is, not the, is the God of the hills, but not the God of the valleys. Therefore, I will give all this great multitude into your hand and you shall know that I am the Lord. It was almost like God was like, you think you figured me, figured me out? You think you can put me in the box? You think you can limit who I am? And so if we keep reading in verse 29, it says, The two armies camped opposite of each other for seven days. And on the seventh day, the battle began. The Israelites killed 100,000 Armenian foot soldiers in one day. The rest fled into the town of Aphek. The wall fell on them and killed another 27,000. ben fled into the town and hid in a secret room. And you can continue to read this on your own time to figure out what happens to him. But see, the enemy of God, the enemy of Israel did not realize that the God of Israel, the Lord our God, is omnipresent. And what omni means, omni is the Latin word for all, meaning that God is present at all places all the time. It literally describes God's everywhereness. Let's think about that for his everywhereness. They had limited him to just be the god of the, val- of, the of the mountaintops and not of the valley. They limit him limited him as the god that can only be at one place at one time. So I'm here to tell you that he's not just the God of your good times or your high times or where your perspective is clear, but he is also the God of your valley and the God of your hard times and your difficult times and your challenging times. So no matter what kind of valley you find yourself in right now, God is present with you there. I don't mean generally. I mean specifically and I mean personally. He is walking with you every single step of the way and just like the song said today closer than my skin he is with you now he is on your side even though you feel alone God is working on your behalf and he is walking with you And so as we walk through valleys in our life, it's not if, but it's when, when we walk through valleys in our life, I want to share a few things that we need to know about valleys that I think would be helpful. The first one is valleys are a part of life. First Peter 4.12 says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Valleys are normal. They're just a part of life. The second one I think is kind of encouraging actually. Is valleys happen to everyone. I know a lot of times when we go through a hard season. When we go through a dry spiritual season. A lot of times condemnation can sit down on us. Because we think... And we misbelieve that when we're going through a tough time in our life, that must mean and that must make us a bad person going through a valley doesn't make you a bad person going through a valley just makes you a person it makes you human it makes you it's just like the rain that it rains on the just and unjust everyone goes through a valley it is not an indicator of your unrighteousness or your righteousness or of your faithfulness or unfaithfulness they happen to everyone Proverbs 34 verse 19 says, The righteous person faces many troubles. Isn't that encouraging? You don't see anyone tattooing that across their chest. <laughs> but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. That's a good place to say amen. amen. You could do better than that. This is 1015. Amen. amen. That's better. That's better. You'll wake. This Latino up here ain't just screaming for no reason, okay? <laughs> Thirdly, is valleys are unpredictable. You don't know where they're come from, where they're coming from, or what kind of form they're going to come in. Proverbs 27 verse one says, "Don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring." And since we can't skip over our valleys, it's important for us to remember a few things. And so I prepared some tools for us. It's not an exhaustive list. It's just four. And, and, and I think they can be helpful for us as we go through our valleys in lives, whether we're going through a valley now, whether we know someone that's in a valley right now, or whether we'll go through a valley later. And the first one is God is with you. There's a psalm out of a, a classic psalm. Maybe if you grew up in church, um, cross denominationally, you've probably heard this. Psalm 23, we're gonna be read verse four. It says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The second one is, God has a purpose. Uh, and so, if you have your paper old school Bible, maybe you can highlight this, underline this, if you have your u version Bible app, maybe you can tap on it and highlight it, or you could just write this down in your notes somewhere. And this is an amazing verse that's not just encouraging, but it's a promise for you. It's a promise for your life, and it's a promise for you, especially when you are going through a tough situation. And it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. And what's interesting, when we go through tough times and tough seasons in life, you know what that does? That produces a need of hope. daily in my life that produces a need for Jesus in my life that produces a need for community in my life that produces a need for prayer in my life that produces a need of more of Jesus in my life and I love how Hosea says it uh, chapter 2 verse 15 and it says I will transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. Some of you are here today and you're getting ready to give up on your marriage you're getting ready to give up on a relationship that you know God has placed in front of you that he's called you to you're getting ready to to give up on the family member that you made a commitment to stand with you're ready to throw your hands up and just walk away I want to encourage you today that yes God is with you Yes, God has a purpose for you, but don't you dare give up because I promise you at the end of the darkness, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. See, my wife and I, we went through a very difficult season this last year, like stripped to the bones. Like I had to rediscover who I really was and that it wasn't a church planter, that it wasn't a preacher, that it wasn't a pastor, but that really... I was just a son, that I was loved by God, and that I was created to know him and to be known by him. I was broken. And now on the other side of that, I realize now that now God can use me. See, some of you, you're going through a tough season that is crushing you. But God's just preparing you for greatness. God's just preparing you for a miracle. Because pain and suffering has a way of producing things in us that nothing else can do. No podcast can't. No books can't. No leadership conferences can't. But pain and suffering is good for me and you. It is good for our soul. It produces things that money can't buy. Like character. And integrity and faithfulness. No one's writing a book about how to, how to have accountability, how to have integrity. Because it doesn't sell. Because you can only get that through suffering. You can only get that, get through that, through the valley. But God is faithful. So if you're here today and you've ever felt like quitting, you're not alone. I was just there. Hold on to hope because he's with you and he will work his purpose through you. And the third one, and I like this. This one, this one's my favorite. This won't last forever. This won't last forever. Who likes some good carne asada? That's how you say that in case you were wondering. Carne asada, right? Some good carne asada. When you go to the grocery store or to... La marqueta you go there and there 's a date on the package, or unless you go to like a butcher, you know they put it in a bag and then they put a label on it, but there's a date on that that is called an expiration date, which most of us who go there to buy carne asada we 're throwing that on the grill right away because we want it fresh with all those juices and and, and every all the we want to capture all the flavors. But friends, just like that carnesala has an expiration date, your season has an expiration date. It won't last forever. And I love this. Second Corinthians 4:17 says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. And here's my last and, and least favorite one. The only way out is through. The only way out is through. I I don't like this at all. I'm not a fan of this. I don't know if you've ever been trapped in Ikea. It's a nightmare. You can't just... You can't just go in there and grab a dish rack, you know, or a plunger or something. You have to go through every section. You know, you start in the kitchen, then you're in the bedroom, and then you're you're in the closet section. Didn't even know they had a closet section. And then finally you make it to the bottom, and all of a sudden you can see the the sliding door light coming in and the registers, and you've made it. And you can finally get out. That's what going through a valley is like. There is no get out of hell card. There is no shortcuts. only way out is through. And I don't know why we do this, but a lot of times when we're facing difficult situations in our life, what do we do? We just ask God to get us out of it. When the things that we've been praying for, God is looking to produce through our suffering, through our pain, through our betrayal. Betrayal is good for our soul. That hurts me when I say it. It's good for us because it produces a constant need of hope in Jesus. It produces a constant need of hope. So whatever you're going through right now, praise him because he's working. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he hasn't left you. And I think one of the most encouraging things about mountains and valleys As that miracles, they don't happen up here. The supernatural that we pray for and God moves, signs and wonders, up here. That doesn't happen up here, but that happens down here when our desperation is high, when our need for Jesus is high, when our leaning is high and we just, Jesus is the only one that can come through and make this better. And so that is where the miracles happen. And so if we Wanna be someone that expects and sees miracles? Let's start praising in the valley. Let's start praising when things aren't going well. Let's start praising when everything seems to fall apart. Let's start praising when things don't make sense. I wanna share something that I experienced as a kid and it's a pretty tough one to share. Even after this time, but when I was in elementary school, I uh I went I, I would walk to home to my house because we live pretty close to the school. And I remember one time Chad invited me over because he got a new wrestling mat. Yes, Joe Pena had a friend named Chad. And so I went over to his house and that's when WWF was like super legit. So we were there trying some moves. I did a stole cold stunner on him. Actually, I didn't because I'm tiny and he's like a big German white dude, right? And, and so we're there playing and when all of a sudden we hear a siren, so we stop, I think at mid-headlock, right? And then we realize that it passed by, so we're like, okay, cool. Not stopping here, we're good, we're good. And so after um, we wrap up, just messing around and hanging out in his backyard. I grab my backpack and I start my journey home. And so I remember just walking. I turned the street to where I can see my house at the end of the road. And as I turn and I look, I see two police cars and I see an ambulance. And I will never forget the way that I felt. My heart stopped. I started feeling anxious. And so I did what only I think I could do. I grabbed my backpack by its strap and I ran home. But by the time I got there, the police cars have left. The ambulance had gone and there was just one man standing there. And it was my uncle. And he says, Joe, your little brother, Jeffrey, who's three years old at the time. He was ran over by a car. And your mom and dad are on the way to the hospital with him. We don't think he's going to make it. He did end up passing. And at this time, my family, we were so far from God. There were no believers in my family at this time. But it was in this season of weeping. And man, that was a season of weeping. In this season of suffering, in this valley of the shadow of death, it was this circumstance where my mom lifted her eyes towards heaven and gave her life to Jesus. And the miraculous part is she's still there. I was eight years old. I'm 35 now. I know I look super young, but I'm 35 now. 40s the new 30. And I, she is still at the same church today, serving God, inviting people, super committed, never leaving ever, very planted in the house that God's called her to. And then an amazing thing happened after that. She began to pray for all of us. Stepdad gets saved. My sister gives her life to Jesus. I say yes to Jesus at a rehab. And our total, de- total destinies were changed and shifted. We would have never wanted this situation to happen to us. But God was faithful to use our suffering and our pain to produce the good that he had planned for us. So friends, I don't know how dark or how painful whatever you may be facing is right now, but God is aware of every detail. He is involved every step of the way and he will remain faithful to you. And on the other side of this, he will produce a harvest and you will share in his glory and you'll be able to share the story to encourage someone and you'll be able to declare the goodness of our God so don't you dare quit don't you dare give up because there's a victory for you ahead in Jesus mighty name would you please stand with me He is the God of our valley. He is omnipresent. He doesn't distance himself from our pain or from our sin. He is even there in the midst of the storm with us. So let's not forget, God is with you. God has a purpose. This won't last forever. The only way out is through. And as we end our time today, I want us to read a scripture together and it's for those of you who may be going through a season, but because we're a community and we're a family and we truly believe that we're better together. We don't just say that to get you to sign up for a group. We truly believe that life transformation happens in the context of relationship. And so let's read this together. It's out of Isaiah 43 verse two. And when it's on the screens, it looks like it is. Just read it with me. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for what you've spoken today. We just thank you God that sometimes you just send a short Latino from Las Vegas to come encourage someone, to inspire some hope and to point people to you. So Lord Jesus, we are here before you and we say we trust you. We say yes to you. We say yes to your plan. We say yes to your purpose. We say yes to your promise. And I thank you God that you know everyone's need I thank you, God, that you're within everyone's situation and that you're faithful within your everywhereness. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you. If you could keep your heads bowed, I don't wanna take another moment without giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you've walked away from God and you just ended up here on Sunday morning and maybe you weren't planning to be here a week ago, but you're here now. I just want to say that God directed your path here. I just want to say that you're here for a reason. And the reason is that God wants you to experience his love, his grace, and the new beginning that he has for you. And I love it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is so beautiful about the gospel. Because when we're in Christ, we are a brand new creation. The old things pass And everything else that we step in becomes new. So if you're here today, this is your moment. This is your time. So if you want to make that decision to follow Jesus, repent of your sin, and turn to him and embrace everything that he has for you, I want to ask you to boldly lift your hand on the count of three. One, God loves you. He has a purpose for you. Two, it's his spirit right now that is speaking to you and leading you to him. And he's brought you to this moment. Three, if that is you, just lift your hand wherever you are. I see your hands. Is there anyone else? Awesome, I see your hands. This is your moment. Let's not leave this moment. You guys can put your hands down. We're going to pray this prayer, simple prayer together. So I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. And we're going to do this as a community together. Because we're family together. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I repent of my sin and I turn to you. I believe that you are God, that you died for me and that you rose again. Today, I turn from my sin and I identify with you. Today, I'm a new creation. My future is secure. I'm a child of God my new beginning starts now in the mighty name of jesus amen come on let's praise god for everything that he's doing among us come on let's lift him up hey thanks so much for tuning in to the project church podcast we pray and hope that this message encouraged you built you up and gave you life we want to ask that you would invest right now in what god is doing here in downtown sacramento we've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the Waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.